0: Well hey church, it is great to be with you. So glad to be in Texas and I'm so grateful to Pastor Jeremy that he gave me this opportunity to share with you today and be with y'all. And I've been on this journey with you I feel like the last few years as... A good friend of Pastor Jeremy. He's been a blessing in my life, and I've been kind of following what God's doing here and celebrating what God's doing. But now it's really great to see it with my own eyes to get to be at the Lufkin campus. And last night I was touring the Nacogdoches campus with Pastor Jeremy. And then also, hey, everybody who's with us online. Glad that you're with us as well. But it's so good to be here, you guys. I've been in Texas for less than 24 hours, and my language has already been evolving. My amen has turned into an amen. You know, and so I just want to, you know, thank you guys for rubbing off on me. I'm going to take that back to Phoenix. Let me introduce you to my wife and my daughter. My name is Ryan, and my wife's Amy. And this is our six month old daughter, named Lila. Uh, We're so grateful to have her in our lives. Me and Amy got married about eight years ago, and we wanted children for now six, seven years, but weren't able to see that happen, and we were just kind of following God's will for our life, and he led us into adoption, and on December 27th of last year, little Lila was born and has been such a blessing in our life. While we were waiting for her to be born, I was praying that God would make her gorgeous and a genius and that she would grow up to love Jesus like her mom (laughs) and hey we're six months into this and we are on the right track she's a beautiful baby and we're so grateful but You know, I'd share that to say that while we were waiting for God to bring this baby into our life, there were some difficult moments there waiting and struggling and wonder when it was going to happen and what God's plan was going to look like. And how many of you know when you're in a season of waiting, it's easy to question everything and just ask these questions like, God, why are you doing this? Why are you letting me go through this? What's the point of this? And in that moment, in those seasons, I had to learn how to find joy and worship of God even when I didn't feel like it. And, and, and I think we can relate to that right now. We're in the middle of a season where it feels like nothing can go right. It feels like we're facing constant struggles and fears and, and division. And in these kinds of moments, we have to learn where joy comes from and how to express that joy. So I'm going to get into a message today called How to Show Your Joy. I know a couple Weeks ago, Pastor Jeremy preached a message about joy, so I hope that this will be kind of like a follow-up message, how to show your joy. And what I've learned is that the way to show joy and find joy when you're struggling is to fix your focus on God and the good things that he's done. The goodness of God is greater than any struggle that we go through, right? And God has been good to you. We need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. When life's not good, we have to put our focus back on the fact that God is good and he's already been so good to us. If he didn't do another thing for us, he's already done more than we deserve. Amen, church? So can we just give God praise for that right now? The fact that God is so good to us. When I'm trying to focus on the goodness of God, I have to think about all the good things he's done and give thanks, give thanks. So let me say, one of the things that Timber Creek Church, you can give thanks for is the fact that you have such an awesome pastor. Can I just tell you for a moment, you have an awesome pastor. You are uniquely blessed that you have a pastor who is godly and wise and a strong leader. Because we're living in crazy times. And not every church has the kind of godly leadership that this church has right now. So you are blessed. Let me say this. If you've had a bone you've been wanting to pick with Pastor Jeremy and you've been wanting to send him an angry email lately, like let me just say this. Don't. Don't do it. All right. Uh, He wouldn't say this, but I just want to tell you that lately, being a pastor, it's been one of the most difficult times to lead in the church in really the last hundred years probably with a global pandemic and political division and racial tensions. So, man, just thank God that he's in your life. Please pray for him and your other leaders. And then I want to also encourage you in this. You should celebrate the fact That Timber Creek Church is alive and healthy, and that the Spirit of God is moving in this church. And not every church can celebrate that the way that you guys can. It's amazing. So let me show you this. Colossians 2.13. It says, You were dead because of your sins. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. So all Christians are alive in Christ, But in some churches, you wouldn't necessarily know it because the people in those churches, sometimes they look more like they're at a funeral than a church gathering. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like That's what I love about Timber Creek Church is this is a church filled with alive people who are joyful, in a special way and there's a unique anointing on this church and you see God's presence in this church moving as as you reach lost people and you serve this community this is a special thing that you're a part of and, and maybe you've maybe you've been wondering like well Ryan like how you say my church is alive how do you know it's alive let me tell you how I know because a living church produces good fruit A living church produces good fruit. We see in Scripture in Matthew 7, Jesus said, A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So just because I say, you know, this church is alive, it doesn't really matter if there's no fruit. There are some churches, sadly, where they're kind of dead. And you can tell because there's no fruit or there's bad fruit. But we know that the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5 says, produces fruit in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the longer you have a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit, the fruitier you become. How many of you are glad you got fruity people in this church, right? You got a lot of fruit. Someone's like, this boy's got flowers on his shirt and he's calling me fruity. No, this is a good, this is a good kind of fruity. Like, this is a good thing to get fruity when it's what the Holy Spirit is producing in your life. Because it's evidence that God is in you and with you. And the most important fruit that's produced by a healthy church is This, when lost people are being saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's happening at your church in a special way. People are finding Jesus. They're being forgiven. They're enjoying new life in Christ. And that's just something you got to give God praise for. So can we celebrate that right now? Come on. We praise God for that. So this church is alive, but then let me connect it to you personally, Okay. A fully alive Christian is full of joy. Full of joy. The Spirit produces joy in us. And Jesus wants your life to be full of joy. He says in John 15, I have told you this, and this was everything that he told them. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He said, I want you to have my joy, and the joy that Jesus had was perfect and complete joy, and He wants to give that to you. I know I need that. I want that I need the joy of Jesus, because sometimes I don't always feel joyful, and, and I don't always see all the good things that God has done for me. But Jesus, he wants your life to be filled and overflowing with joy every day. He doesn't just want you to get into heaven when you die. He wants your life full of joy while you live, even in the middle of a pandemic. He wants your life full of joy. And so maybe you hear all this talk about joy, and maybe some of you say, well, you know, Ryan, I'm not that emotional. I'm more reserved. And I I even know there are some people that feel this way, like Christianity is not about emotions. We shouldn't let emotions drive us. But I would say emotion is a huge part of who you are and why you do the things that you do. You as a human being are made in the image of God and in his likeness. And do you realize that God has emotions? God is an emotional being. The Bible talks about him being joyful and being angry and being sad, and you are made in his image. So when you feel emotions, that's not a bad thing. God made you that way to feel emotions. Some people they like to think, "Well, like I'm logical and I'm I, I let make I let logic drive my decisions," but we let emotions drive our decisions in our lives a lot more than sometimes we like to admit. You know, if we were all purely logical, we would never get ourselves into trouble uh, eating too much, getting into debt, fighting with people on Facebook. But emotions do drive us oftentimes. Before I met Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, usually my emotions would lead me into sin. Now that Jesus is changing me, My emotions can lead me closer to God. And that's what he wants for us. We are emotional beings. Logic would say it was the nails that held Jesus to the cross. But I would say it was passionate, emotional love for you that actually held Jesus to the cross. He could have come down anytime he wanted, amen? But he chose to stay there in that position of suffering for you because he loved you. I don't know about you, but the fact that I was going to hell makes me emotional. And the fact that now I'm not, that makes me even more emotional, right? I mean, I see people on The prices Right losing their minds when they get called to come on down, right? But I think about how much greater is it to receive an eternal reward that can't be taken from you. I mean, it should make us emotional to know we have received everything through Jesus, and just speaking for myself, I remember a time in my life when I wasn't emotional about God. But that was the same time that I wasn't really living for God. And, and as I started to understand and appreciate what Jesus did for me, emotion and joy sprung out of that. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. That's a challenging verse, right? It says, always be joyful. You read that, and you can't help it but be like, no, re- really? Al- always be joyful? Like, how am I supposed to always be joyful? Like, do you know who I'm married to? Do you know where I work and how big of a jerk my boss is? Do you see what's going on in the world? But see, that passage, it shows you the secret to always being joyful. It's in verse 18. It says, be thankful in all circumstances. So if you'll become more thankful, that will automatically lead you to become more joyful. And that's one of the reasons why I think this is such a joyful church is because you have in this church a greater proportion of newly saved Christians. And what I've found over time is that when people become saved, They are filled with so much joy and gratitude for what God has done. And if I'm just being honest, the longer that we are Christians, the more we have to work to remember where God brought us from. And I love the fact you have so many new believers in this church because man, they're bringing the heat. Let me challenge you, though. You don't have to lose that passion. You don't have to lose that joy. As you walk with God, your joy can actually increase and you can grow in gratitude. So if lately you say, I haven't been very joyful lately, let me just say this. Maybe you should focus on being more grateful, grateful. So think about this, right? Like God, the all-powerful creator of the universe, he created mankind designed for relationship. All he wanted to do was love us and have a relationship with us, but we chose to rebel against him, break his commands, and sin. We deserve death, but God sent his only son, Jesus, into this world to take our punishment on the cross. The punishment that we deserve, Jesus took so that he could give us his reward and allow us to be adopted into God's family eternally. That means that because Jesus absorbed the wrath of God, you never will. Because Jesus was separated from God temporarily, you get to be with God eternally. How many of you know like we have every reason to be grateful because of what Jesus has done? Amen? Come on, let's give God praise one more time. And so maybe sometimes we need to pray like David, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I've been watching the news. I've been getting depressed. I've been starting to worry. I got to pray, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Just the fact that I'm saved and forgiven and called a child of God. Let that be what sparks joy in my heart. I can tell that most of you are joyful because you show it. A lot like the early church did, and we read about them in Acts chapter 2. Let me talk about what it looks like. Acts chapter 2, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the early church, the early Christians. They were filled with joy. And we get to kind of see what they were doing and what that looked like. So let me just jump into the meat of this message, and hopefully this will be practical for you. I want to talk about three ways that you can show your joy. It's one thing to have it. It's another thing to show it. Here's the first one, okay? And I hope this is real simple for all of us. The way you can show your joy is with your face. The first way to show your joy is with your face. Uh, I know a lot of us, like we love Jesus in our heart but sometimes we forget to tell our face, you know? And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so busy like thinking about what I have to do and my schedule and what's going on in my life that I develop this like resting mean face where I'm just concentrating, but I look like a jerk. I don't look like I love God, let alone people. I look like I'm mad and I have to sometimes consciously remind myself to smile, to smile. It's actually a biblical thing to smile and express your joy this way. Think about how we pray: May God bless you and keep you, and make His face to shine upon you. When you think about God's face shining upon you, how would you picture His face looking? Like frowning and scowling? Like I, I love you. <laughs> or, or maybe more like smiling, and the countenance of His face reflecting the love. In his heart for you. And I know that as we have joy filling our heart, smiling is a great way we can show the world. It says in Proverbs 15, verse 13 a cheerful heart brings a smile to your face. I think it's cool that people could look at you and see you smiling while you're waiting to get coffee in the morning or or checking out at Walmart. And they could just say, like, man, something's different about this person. Like, I, I can tell she's smiling even with a mask on. You know, like, there must be something going on in her heart if she can smile in the middle of all this craziness there's actually medical benefits to smiling. You know, it's, that, it's so funny to me how often science and medical community will catch up to what the Bible tells us is good for us. Like, they'll, they'll catch up eventually. And they tell us that smiling lowers your blood pressure, changes your mood, relieves stress, strengthens your immune system. That sounds good right now. Reduces pain, and it's contagious to smile. I remember not long ago, I was having like a long work day and I was working on a a sermon and I was researching and I read that how smiling has medical benefits. And I had started to get kind of like a headache and, you know, blurry vision from staring at the computer screen. And I was like, I just need a break. I need to go out for a walk for a minute. And I was up in the mountains in Arizona and I went out and I was walking through the woods and I'm like, you know, I just read that smiling has these benefits. I should practice what I preach. and So I'm going to make myself Smile. So I'm like walking through the woods, just like smiling. And then I started to to feel different. Like my headache actually went away. I'm like, that's crazy. It works. And I started to notice like, man, those trees are beautiful. And now I'm like laughing out loud as I'm walking through the woods like a goober by myself, right? And I'm sure if if anyone saw me, I looked totally crazy or high or something, right? I looked crazy, but like, I would rather be a smiling goober with a headache than a stressed out, or, or, you know, I I don't wanna, I I don't really care. The point is I I felt better in that moment. I felt better in that moment. I wanna encourage you to, to show people the joy that you have in your heart through the countenance of your face. And here's the second thing. Show your joy with giving. You saw that in the early church in Acts chapter 2. They were filled with joy and generosity. And so giving is a sign of a joyful Christian. Now, we talk about giving sometimes in churches. And giving is an important part of our walk with God, I think. You think about God. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You can't help but give when you become more like Jesus. And I think about how giving financially is an important part of our lives as Christians. It's one of the ways that we put God first in our lives is by putting him first in our finances. Now, I think a lot of us, we start giving maybe after we hear some teaching from the Bible about how giving is important. I know when I started giving, it wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to do. It was something that I felt like I should do out of obligation or duty just to do the right thing but what i learned is that the more i gave the more i was blessed and I started to become grateful that I was able to give rather than feeling like I was supposed to give. It turned into a, I get to do this rather than I have to do this. How many of you have gone through a journey like that? And some of you are like, no, I haven't gone through that journey. Like, I, st- <laughs> I still don't want to do it. Okay, you're going to get there. God's going to help you get there. But I, I think the more we give, the more joyful we become in giving. The thing is, the more you become like Jesus, the more generous You become. One of the ways you can express your joy is by giving joyfully. Because God does bless us when we give, even out of obedience, but He loves it when we give cheerfully. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. When you give out of duty, God's like, good job. When you give cheerfully, God's like, that's my boy, come on. He loves it. And there are a lot of people that get, you know, kind of anxious or nervous or upset when the subject of giving comes up in church. But I'll just tell you what I've never met a greedy person who was joyful. But on the other hand, I've never met a generous person who wasn't joyful. So just let God challenge you in that today I think sometimes even when you don't feel like giving man the act of giving can produce generosity and joy in your heart and here's the third thing and I want to spend a little bit more time on this show your joy with worship show your joy with worship now maybe you have come to church for a while Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've wondered, like, why do we spend so much time at church singing? Like, why do we do it every week? Why do we sing so much? Like, what's that all about? Is that something that we just do for, like, you know, like the women and the artistic folks? Like, what is that? Like, why are we doing this? I want to talk about that a little bit. I I love worship. I love praise and worship. And it's actually— somewhat Pastor Jeremy's fault. It's your pastor's fault. Like when, when he came to the church that I was growing up in as an intern out of Bible college, um, I saw Pastor Jeremy play the drums in worship. How many of you knew that Pastor Jeremy is like an epic drummer? Did you know that? Some of you didn't know that. He's like a great drummer. There's like good drummers in Pastor Jeremy, okay? And so when I saw him as like a, a teenager playing the drums, I was awestruck, like, Whoa, that dude is amazing. And I thought to myself, like, I, I want to play the drums. I have to come to church anyway. My parents make me, so like, I want to do something fun while I'm here. And I asked him to teach me and give me some drum lessons, but I just developed like, a love for praise and worship. The reason that we do this in church so much is because we're alive and filled with joy And worshiping God is one of the best ways for us to express that joy. I want to talk about it a little bit. In the Old Testament, we see this, that God's people, they worship God through singing and clapping and raising their hands and shouting out praise and bowing down before God. And they use instruments and they really just got down. And I want to say this to like the dudes in the church, like guys, if you're one of those guys that you think like, Man, like worshiping God isn't manly or masculine somehow. You need to rethink this and check out what the Bible actually says. In the Old Testament times, it was the worship team that led God's people into battle. I mean, isn't that crazy? It was a worship team leading the army into battle. Like that wouldn't work in most churches today. You can't have, you know, like the hipster millennials like leading the, the battle with like skinny jeans and like flipping their hair. It wouldn't work. Like not, not in this church. You'd be good here. But like other churches, right? But it's like the one of the most masculine things you can do. Like for those of you guys who are married, like one of the most attractive things that that you could do for your wife is like show her you love God through your worship. Like as your worship life improves, your love life is gonna improve as well, right? If you're one of the single guys and you wanna get the attention of some of those girls that are a little bit out of your league, like you need to start worshiping. Start work, man, you need to be ready to go. And we see in the New Testament that And the the early Christians, they had seen Jesus, he rose from the grave, they received the Holy Spirit, and they continued in worship. And it was a regular part of what they did. They worshiped and they praised God, even as they went through really difficult persecution. Think about that. Like, they actually faced the threat of arrest and jail and execution just for being a Christian, Like, I know that right now with this pandemic going on, there are people who are physically vulnerable and they can't come to a church gathering. And like, I support that. I understand that. And then I think about how a lot of you are physically at church today. You're gathered here and you had to go through maybe some extra challenges to come to church today, like like social distancing measures, maybe wearing a mask, or more hand sanitizer. And, and I, I think that even though these are challenges, we have to remind ourselves that, that these momentary troubles are nothing compared to what God's people have gone through throughout most of history. Like early Christians were worried about dying for their faith. So if I have to wear a mask to go to church, I can get over it. Like, all right, amen, anybody? Like, I think we've got it pretty good. We've got a lot to be grateful for. I'm just grateful that this is a church that celebrates and worships the way that the Bible describes. With joy, with celebration, with awesome worship music, and with singing. Let me show you what it says in Psalm chapter 150. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. That was like the old school electric guitar. like. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. So if you're ever like, why does the worship music have to be so loud? It's because the Bible says so. Praise the Lord. It tells us again and again, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So we sing, we clap, we raise our hands, we shout for joy, we jump, we bow down, we do all these things because we're celebrating the victory that we have in Jesus. Amen? And, And I don't know, like some Christians, the way they worship God, it's almost like they don't know that Jesus rose from the dead, you know, like did you get the good news that Jesus is alive? Because I wouldn't know sometimes by, work, by looking. I think if God wanted like, somber, serious worship, he would have said, you know, stand there and be quiet and think about the bad things you've done. But instead he said, worship me, sing my praise, and think about the good things that I have done. <laughs> Amen. Over and over again, he tells us to clap, shout, respond with joy. And so we need to do this. I I, I honestly believe that we need this. We need to worship God with joyful, passionate celebration. First, because it's a blessing to you. It benefits you to worship God. It changes your heart. Some of the most difficult times of my life When I felt like I was just at the end of my rope, at the bottom of the barrel, desperate, sad, struggling with depression or anxiety. The only thing that really changes you in your spirit in that kind of moment is to shift your focus to God and begin to worship him. And I've experienced some of the most transformational moments of my life while worshiping God in the middle of a storm. Science even confirms that like, singing and worshiping God has benefits for you. It tells us that listening to music activates more of your brain than any other activity. Isn't that weird? So think about when you worship God and you sing to Him, you're using more of your mind than in anything else you can do singing and worshipping it improves your memory it releases endorphins that reduce pain singing actually reduces snoring isn't that great like some wife right now is like nudging her husband like you you better start singing more in church like i'm not i'm not sleeping next to you snoring for the next 30 years But worshiping also blesses God. And that's even more important, isn't it? Because it's like, it's not about me, it's not about me, it's about God and what He deserves. He deserves our worship. It says in Psalm 66 let the whole world bless our God. How? And loudly sing His praises. So when you worship God, when you sing His praises, it's going from your mouth to the throne room of heaven and being received. In God's ears, and your worship is a blessing to God. Some of you didn't know that. You're like, no, no. Have you heard me sing? That nobody wants to hear that. Like, no, God doesn't even care if you sing off key. He's blessed by the fact that you are worshiping him. I think that's one of the reasons it's also good to respond to the preaching of God's word, like a lot of us do in this church, right? Like, like, if you hear the preaching of God's word coming from the spirit of God through Pastor Jeremy, and it's it speaking to your heart, and you know it's for you, it's a good thing to be like, amen. That's good. Come on. Preach, preacher. Like, tell, you got to tell Pastor Jeremy when he comes back, like, preach, white boy. You know, just like... And you're like, why? Why do I need to do that? I think sometimes it helps to solidify what's happening in our hearts by responding physically to what God's doing spiritually inside of us. And it's good to affirm the word of God that way. You're not doing it for the preacher. You're affirming what God is saying to you. That's actually biblical. It's biblical to do this. It says in Nehemiah chapter eight, Ezra the priest brought the law, that was the scripture before the assembly. He read it aloud from daybreak to daybreak. Till noon. It's a long church service, amen? And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. They bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is like passionate, physical demonstration that you see here. It's biblical. Some of you have never been in a church where people do that before you came to this church. Like, depending on what background you came from, where people sometimes are very reserved and serious, like, oh, like in church, you know, and, and like, the only person like raising her hands was the crazy cat lady, you know, you're like, no. <laughs> and then you came to this church and you see people like worshiping and celebrating, and it might've might been new for some of you. Maybe you've wondered, you know, what, what's that about? I think it's a good thing for Christians to demonstrate outwardly, the joy that we have for what Jesus has done. Amen. Let me, let me just show you an example of this. I want to just illustrate this. Let me give you an example. Okay, here we have two, two slightly different objects. Okay, help me out here. What is this? A tree. Okay, what is this? Okay, great. You're on it. All right, so how did you know this was a Christmas tree? The decorations, right? The physical representation of celebration. The decorations on this tree made it obvious to you what it was. This could also be a Christmas tree. It, it probably is, but you're just not 100% sure because it doesn't demonstrate outwardly the way that this one does, right? So, so call me crazy, right? But I think, like, as a Christian, people should be able to see you worship. And just know that you're about Jesus and that you love him and that you're joyful. Like, I I don't think that you should have to have a deep, intimate conversation with me about what's hidden away in the depths of my heart to figure out the affections of my heart. I think you should be able to just look at me, worship God, and know that dude is grateful for what God has done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Sometimes I just like to challenge myself. I wonder what it would be like if heaven was watching me worship like on the video screen with the sound on mute like what 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 would it look like would it look like i love god or would it look like i'm bored (laughs) i just like to think about that at timber creek church we're not trying to worship like undercover christians or We don't have to hide like first century Christians who are facing persecution. We have the freedom and the opportunity to worship God passionately, with joy, with freedom. And I want to give you permission to worship God that way. Like maybe you didn't know you could worship God that way. There was a point in my life when I didn't think I was qualified to worship that way. Like I'd see people raising their hands during worship and I'd be like, oh, that's like a a black belt Christian move that maybe someday I'll get to that level. But right now, no, 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 I'm not qualified for that. Like, look, you don't have to be perfect to worship God. You just have to be saved by a perfect Jesus, right? Like, You have to be redeemed. And you are, you're redeemed, you're forgiven, and God desires your praise. You might be one of those guys who's been coming to church, And you look around the room during worship and and you'd say, like, man, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I feel weird worshiping that way. I don't want people to think I'm weird. I just want to say it's not weird. It's not weird to do the things the Bible tells us to do as Christians. It's weird to be a Christian and celebrate a touchdown more than you celebrate Jesus. I I know a lot of guys who are like, I'm just not emotional. But then when their team scores the winning touchdown in the fourth quarter, they're like dancing in their living room. Like, oh, yes, we did it. Like losing their mind. Like, oh, you're emotional. Maybe you just need to give yourself permission to be emotional about Jesus. It's, it's weird to stifle and to hide the joy that's in your heart. It's normal to let it out. And the truth is, if you're a Christian, people already think you're weird. Like... You're, you're kind of weird. Like, be honest. Like, you believe that a guy you've never met is actually God and that he rose from the dead and he's forgiven your sins and saved you and is going to bring you into God's ble- blessing for all of eternity, right? Like, that's a little unusual. But I would rather be weird on my way to heaven than cool on my way to hell. So I'm just going to worship God like I'm saved and weird, okay? Like, and I think that's what we should all do. Like, it's not about me and how I look. It's about God and what he's done. Let me just like break a little bit of this down practically, okay? So, so maybe you've wondered like why do we raise our hands in church? Why do people do that? Well, first I think it represents a couple of things. It represents that we surrender to God. Like this is the universal sign for I surrender, I give up. And our first step towards salvation is surrendering our lives to Jesus, and saying, like, I'm not going to be the boss of my life anymore. Jesus, you're going to be the king, and I submit my life to you. You're in charge. I'm going to follow you. So this is a sign of surrender, and sometimes we have to surrender. So much of our anxiety and our stress in life is because we try to hold on to control. And we've got to sometimes just surrender we got to do what the prophetess Carrie Underwood said and let Jesus take the wheel, right? Just surrender. I I think this also represents the fact that we have victory. This is also the universal symbol for victory. We win, right? Like, man, when your team hits the game-winning shot, the, the arena's hands just go up like, we win. We are victorious. And who's more victorious than us? I watched this documentary uh, about the rock band, Queen, and they were singing like all their classics, and they were singing that song, we are the champions, my friend, and the whole arena, like the hands are up, and all these people are there just like, yes, and I'm thinking, who says you're the champions? Like, just because you sing it doesn't mean that it's true, but as Christians, we actually are the champions, like we are victorious, Because we win. We win through Jesus, right? So I don't want to let some drunk dude at a queen concert out worship me. Amen? And also we do that because it's biblical. The Bible says to do it multiple times. Psalm 134 verse 2, it says, Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. This is the way we bless the Lord. So I'm going to encourage you to grow in that. And maybe you say like, but that just doesn't feel authentic to me. I want to be authentic. And I want you to be authentic too. I just want you to be authentic to who you are in Christ, not who you were before Christ. In Christ, you are full of joy. You are redeemed. You are more than a conqueror. So live like it. Show your victory. Just like smiling more actually can make you more happy, worshipping with more passion can actually make you more passionate about Jesus some sometimes like you don't feel like worshiping until you actually start to worship how many of you experienced something like that? you know, like, there are moments where, man, you're just, not, you're not feeling it, but as you do it, as you step out, God starts to move in you and he starts to change you from the inside out. It might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but that's a good thing, that's okay. You can't get stronger if you remain in your comfort zone. And worship is something that makes you stronger in the Lord. You gotta learn how to worship your way through the storm, worship your way through the battle. It's not about waiting till everything works out and everything's going your way. You're going to be waiting a long time. You've got to learn how to worship when things are difficult like they are right now. And I know this is challenging, but Pastor Jeremy gave me permission to challenge you. So I'm doing it. I think God wants us to be challenged, to grow in freedom and in confidence, to worship him in spirit and in truth. It says in Psalm 95 five two, let us Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. I love this verse because it says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, right? And, And that's different than how a lot of us come to church on an average Sunday. Like sometimes we get here late, we had a hard time getting out the door and so you miss the whole first song and by the second song you're just like getting settled in your seat and you know did you check the kids into kids church okay good and you're kind of getting your bearings and then the third song starts and you're kind of getting warmed up like okay i'm feeling this and then worship's over and you missed it all, basically. Right? But as you become a more mature worshiper, you come into his presence with thanksgiving already in your heart. And it doesn't matter if it's your favorite song or a new song or if the worship team is nailing it or not. You're ready to worship God no matter what. That's what it means to come into his presence with thanksgiving. So, man, we can grow in that. I'm not saying you have to be a joyful worshiper to get into heaven. But... Knowing that you're going to heaven, why wouldn't you be filled with joy when you worship the Lord? The disciples asked Jesus how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus told them, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so we're supposed to pray that heaven would come to earth. We want to see as Christians earth look more and more like heaven. Because in heaven, God's perfect will is manifest. And things are exactly the way that God wants them. And so God gives the disciple John a vision of what heaven looks like, and we can see it. We can see what heaven looks like. And do you know what you see when you look into heaven, when you peek in? You see people worshiping Jesus passionately. In Revelation 7, It says this, in heaven, after this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels who were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and they worshiped God. Look at this. They sang, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever, amen. I love this. I love this. We get to see this little insight Into heaven. And what do you see? You see people from every tongue and tribe worshiping God passionately. They're singing his praise, they're bowing down before him. And what does that mean? It means that when we worship God with the same type of passionate joy, we're bringing the glory of heaven to earth. How powerful is that? Because you think about like what we're going through right now, and I know some of you are going through even more difficult situations than others. Maybe you're like, man, right now I feel like I'm going through hell. Well, what better time to bring heaven to earth? How can you do that? Through your worship, by worshiping God the way that he is worshiped in heaven. So why Why wouldn't we, right? Like as Christians, we know Jesus is alive. We're not standing around like we're at a funeral. We get to worship him in victory. And I'll close with this. I know some of you might be saying, man, I I hear you and that sounds good and all, but you're talking about how to show your joy and I don't even feel joy. I'm anxious. Maybe you're worried. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you have friends who are sick. Maybe you've lost a job. And joy is not what you feel right now. I know that's a reality, but let me challenge you with this. If you want to feel the way that joyful people feel, you need to do the things that joyful people do. As you start to worship, as you change the countenance of your face and smile, as you give generously, it's going to change the way you feel. Many times, Our greatest blessings come after we step forward in obedience, regardless of how we feel. And maybe you need God to restore joy to you today. Maybe you need him to do a work inside of your heart as you've been possibly struggling like I have. Let me challenge you and encourage you in this. The way to experience joy is to show joy. Begin expressing it even before you feel it. I've learned that the crazier our world gets, the louder my worship needs to become. And as I worship the Lord and put my focus on him, he gets bigger in my view and my problems get smaller. I wanna just make it real practical for you. Maybe sometime this week, if you have a moment where you become stressed or anxious, that's the time to put on some worship music and put your focus on God and just praise him and focus on his goodness, his power, his greatness and watch what he does in your life. Can we bow our heads for a moment and just close our eyes? I wanna say that the most important step in your journey towards joy is first having a relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can't experience the joy of the Lord until you receive the Lord. And the Bible says it's very simple that if you accept Jesus and believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose again, you will be saved. You don't have to earn it because you can't. You're not gonna deserve it. It's a gift that you receive by God's grace through faith in Jesus. So maybe you're online right now or you're at one of our physical locations and you know, you feel in your spirit right now that God is drawing you to himself and he's calling you to accept Jesus Christ as your savior, as your friend. And you know, this is your moment. I just wanna lead you in a prayer here and encourage you, just pray this with me. And if you mean it in your heart, God will hear you and respond to you. Just pray, God, I need you. I know that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I wanna follow Jesus from this day forward. I surrender my life to you. I thank you for loving me and making me a part of God's family in Jesus' name.